Woo, the best in the world, baby. Oh, let me tap that title. Woo. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> the All the gold, the podcast champion here for you, baby. And, uh, well, if you follow on on some, the very, the much more limited social media that I do uh, these days, maybe you've seen some pictures of that. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about my title belt. I'm here to talk, <laughs> I'm here to talk about uh, something that I've promised uh, for, for a while. And I'm glad I kind of waited, even though this is the sort of episode where I could probably do one a year because some things change. Um, others have been, you know, stuck, uh, for a long, long time. Even I, you know, software I've been using for decades, but what it is, is the software that I use, uh, to do what I do. This is my default loadout as it were. Um, and we're only talking about, so, so here's some caveats. Okay. One is this is not going to be uh, what Android software I use. This is not going to be for mobile software. You know, it's not what apps I use. Okay. Um, this is entirely for my Windows 10 computer. Okay. So I, we're, we are talking about a Windows 10 Pro 64-bit uh, uh, computer here. Okay. And that, that's the operating system. This is not, I do have other computers. I have like a raspberry Pi. Um, I have another, a couple others that, you know, that's a very different, you know, I have Linux boxes and whatever, and those are very different situations, um, as far as what I use on those. But, you know, important to keep in mind that a lot of the software that I use on my windows 10 machine is something that I can, or at least the work that I do for it is something that I can access from other operating systems and not just a windows computer. Okay. Um, and the other thing that we will not be bringing up is we will not be talking about gaming in this one. That could be an entirely separate, uh, uh, episode, Patreon episode, because, you know, like what emulators do I use, et cetera, you know, what, like, and what, um, you know, what controllers perhaps, I mean, cause then you want to get into some hardware too. Like what are the best uh, gaming controllers for PC, uh, you know, and all of that. So this is only for my windows 10 computer, which honestly is the one that I carry around with me most of the time. And it's what I end up doing a lot of work on. And to explain that, because people we are like, well, Brian, you're all about open source, blah, blah, blah. Well, so is Microsoft these days. But besides that, um, you know, oh, you're, you're all about using decentralized stuff. You're all about using this. Yes, I am. Okay. But I do work with clients that are not all about that at all. Uh, and they never will be. Okay. Uh, so I have, you know, computers and, and there's some software that I use that I've just been using forever to, to, to get stuff done. Um, where, yeah, you know, I, I, effectively need a windows computer. Um, also, you know, like I just mentioned, I do a lot of gaming and guess what? If you want to do gaming, yes, you can do it some to some degree on Linux now, and that's nice. Okay. Uh, but if you want to do gaming, you're going to do it on Windows. You know, like the Windows PC. In fact, I've said this many times. Just have two PCs. Have your gaming, you know, your Windows 10 gaming rig, and then have your Linux box or your, like, you know, I, I have an open BSD box. You know, have your BSD box or something that you do all of your other, shall we say, important things on. Okay. So this is, you know, we're talking about workflow and all that. We're not going to talk about, I'm not talking about open bazaar. We're not going to talk about using the Tor browser. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to talk about that, that sort of stuff. Okay. This is merely software that if you want to get shit done, this is how you get shit done. Okay. And look, this is important. Okay. You know, the concept of appropriate technology which means, which really, you know, I mean, that, that, that there's a gigantic kind of abstract conversation that can be had around that term. And it's not a new term. It's a term that's been around for decades um, of appropriate technology. You know, at the end of the day, what it means is, is 
you know, you have the right to use the technology that works for you, that works for you, not that you work for it, but that works for you. Okay. Because at the end of the day, what's more important? Is it more important that the person gets out all of the, say, media creation or whatever that they do? Or is it important that they do it on Linux using completely open source software that they'd have to completely relearn after decades of using previous software or whatever? You tell me what's more important that they get their that they get their content out, that they do that they get their shit done. Yeah, that they get their shit done is obviously more important, okay? Because the goal in life is to be happy. The goal in life is not necessarily that, oh, we must all use open source. And look, I want the whole world to use open source. I want everything to be open source, and eventually I think it will be, okay? Just by the nature of, uh, you know, the beast that is software that's eating the world, all right? But regardless, there's no need to go, I mean, unless it's something that's really, you know, like completely fucking insecure and something that, you know, just littered with exploits or that there's all kinds of problems with it, blah, blah, blah. Um, let people use what technology works for them, you know, like like really. OK. And by and large, you know, as far as as far as any way anything goes, I mean, if using Windows does that for you, I mean, then fine. You know, and, and honestly, you know, in the grand scheme, Microsoft has done a hell of a job as far as uh, on the security front in the past couple of years, far better than most other companies. I'm not saying they're better than Linux. I don't think they think they're better than Linux. And that's why they're starting to create uh, or starting to heavily use Linux in their own products. OK, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying you use what, what allows you to get what you need to get done. That's what matters. All right. Now, if you can. If you have the the wherewithal and the ability and everything else to jump on board and get other stuff, if you care about if you have a genuine concern about your privacy, security and all this other stuff, then fine. You need to learn how to do that. You need to learn what to use to ensure for that. All right. But if you're just trying to get shit done, I mean, one of the again, one of the easiest ways to go about this to to handle security and all that, OK, is to have multiple machines. You have a Windows 10 machine over here that you don't log into for anything. And yes, you can log it. You can install Windows 10 without having to create a Microsoft account and you just don't put any bullshit on there and you make your stuff on it. You do your thing and you don't you know, you have no accounts as much as you can help it on there. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe you transfer stuff via USB drive to your Linux computer where you actually you are logged into accounts and everything. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can go about this to make a lot of sense that still allow you to use software um, that, you know, maybe you feel you need, you know, Photoshop, whatever. And before anybody fucking says it, this is part two. Before anybody says it, no, virtual machines do not. I don't care what the math says. The math is fucking off. Virtual machines are not the end all solution for a lot of this. Now, running stuff, you know, using the technology of virtual machines from the ground up to create a secure environment, that's another story. But to say, well, people could just run Photoshop in a virtual machine on Linux, stop. Or people could play Windows games in a virtual machine on Mac or Linux or something, stop. No, trust me, it doesn't work that way. The virtual machines, as far as that technology has come, okay, you still are going, especially if you're a, like a serious fucking gamer, and I'm not even that serious. You want to be running whatever, 60, 120 FPS, whatever the fuck you want to you know, be running, okay? Uh, what, it's, a virtual machine's not going to do it for you. It can't. It just can't. I don't care if the math says, well, it's not mathematically different. Okay. That's the same thing that people said about MP3s. Well, it's not mathematically different than what you can hear as a human being. No, no, no. There's a there's a goddamn difference. And I love MP3s between an MP3 and, you know, listening to to, 
you know, full frequency recording. Give me a fucking break. So anyway, hopefully we got all all that is under the bridge. And now we can just talk about shit that's useful. How about that? <laughs> we can get past all the all the non. You know, it's like, here's the thing, right? I have so much respect for like Richard Stallman. And, you know, guy, guys of that ilk and everything. I really I have so much fucking respect for those people. OK, but like the arguments and how they just, you know, they're really real. I mean, just for people using Microsoft Word, like they're so degrading and so insulting. And it's like, stop. What? Like, let the, let people get their shit done. Yeah. It, yeah. We want people using other stuff, but shaming them about it isn't necessarily going to help anything. And it's not like there's, you know, I mean, yeah, there used to be the problem with macros and Microsoft Word and everything. I mean, yeah, there used to be genuine security issues. These things have a lot of these things have been licked. So, you know, let people got to make money. People got to live. The goal in life is to be happy. All right. And that takes a lot of different shapes. I get what makes Richard Solomon happy, but that's not what might make, uh, you know, one of my patrons happy or even me happy or whatever. Okay. So we, we got it. We got to make that perfectly clear. All right. You use the technology that works for you. So yes, in my perfect world, um, I would only use my open BSD machine. Everything would, would, you know, work beautifully on that. And because it runs Linux software better than Linux does, frankly, and it really does, um, you know, and, and I would just be doing everything there and I, and all this shit would just automatically work out of the box. I'd have open hardware and all that shit. I'm not making an argument for pragmatism here either. I'm just saying, yes, in my perfect world, that's how things would be, would be. And, but we're not there, not yet. We're going to get there. And, you know, as, as all of us hopefully get wealthier through the, you know, crypto economy and cryptocurrency, uh, uh, you know, boom. And I don't mean boom as in like it's going to bust at some point and go away. Um, there might be minor busts here and there. But, you, you know, we're when we're wealthy and we have the, the true measure of success, which is the ability to be permanently AFK, then, yep, then we can choose what then we can really choose what software. Um, you know, that we want to run, what hardware we want to use and all of this, because that's when you, you know, you start making fuck you money and you can tell people that, well, Hey, could you look at this word doc? Fuck you. No, I can look at that ODT kiss my ass, you know, but we're not, a lot of us aren't at that stage yet. So we don't do it. <laughs> it's that simple, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's sad. Like, I mean, it's, it's really sad because, you know, you, you get people that'll say, well, you don't have to have a Google account. And I, you know, I, I just push right back at that. And I say, bullshit. If you're going to school, if you're going to work at a government job or a whole ton of jobs, there's a pretty good bet that either you'll need a Gmail account or you'll need a G apps account or sometime or some kind, because it's a part of like, you just have to have it. You don't have a choice anymore sometimes for the shit. And it's really sad. I mean, and it sucks and we got to get past it. And we'll get past it. All right. But again, right now, some of us, you know, there's certain software that we have to use. So let's talk about what that software is that we that we have to use. All right. I mean, yeah, let's keep pushing. Let's keep saying, hey, can we you know, we need to be thinking about open source. We need to be doing this. And if you start your own little company and you can implement that in what you do, then great. That is so cool. You know, uh, I mean, really like that. That's really, really great. Please do that. And then one by one, we'll get away from all this shit. So, OK. Let's start breaking all of this down. Um, and let's see, what should we start with? Well, so like I said, we're talking about a computer that, in fact, this is my Asus ZenBook 3. 
Uh, it's a very small computer, not a very powerful computer because I don't really need a whole lot of power necessarily for this, for, for all of these aspects that I do. Um, so I put it in its place. It's not my central machine. It's not what makes my world go round. Okay. But this is what I'm, but for a lot of people, I mean, they use windows and great or not great, but you, you know, okay, fine. Um, I understand, which is why I'm doing this episode, you know, because I have to do it too. Uh, and, and look, there's a million. I, there's another thing I tell people all the time, all the best security researchers, a lot of these people that are really into making sure that, you know, our privacy, we've got privacy, security, you know, stopping exploits and everything, bug hunting and all that. These guys don't, don't let them fool you. They've got a windows 10 machine at home or they have a windows machine at home of some kind guaranteed. And they might be running some really, really important stuff. Okay. And they've kept their shit locked down for decades on that. And they've never had, um, any, any breaks or, you know, or, uh, or, you know, any, any exploits or anything, you know, committed against them or any, any security issues. So it can be done. Okay. But anyway, this is my windows 10 loadout. Now I will say quickly that it being 64 bit is pretty important as far as that security goes. And as much as you can, and sometimes with some of the software, you have to hunt a little bit, okay, to find 64-bit versions of it. I recommend doing that for a few reasons. One is, of course, is that you can make use, if necessary, of more than the 4 gig of RAM if your computer has more than 4 gig of RAM uh, on, on your machine, okay? So that's one reason to use 64-bit. Uh, you know, things like Photoshop and some others, which I don't even use Photoshop. Okay. But things like Photoshop and some others, I mean, I haven't installed, I have like Photoshop CS2 because now it doesn't, the activation server, uh, has been shut down for Photoshop CS2. So you can just install it (laughs) and it doesn't, you don't have to crack it anymore or anything. Um, so, you know, that's one reason, but then the other reason is that, with 64 with 64 bit software a lot of times the various memory leaks and other security issues that happen with 32 bit software don't affect it okay so it you know see do your searches use duckduckgo or something see if you can find um you know 64 bit versions of whatever software i'm listing off or any software that you use personally okay um i'm not there's might be some pieces of software in this that i'll link to okay Uh, but I'm, you know, some of the stuff is in like the Microsoft store and you can't, well, I mean, you can link to it, I guess with that, but anyway, that'd be a pain in the ass. So, but you'll have a full list in the show notes of all the names of the software that I'll be using. Another quick thing is that I will not be going over the, my like browser extensions, my browser setup. Um, that is something I will, that'll be a separate episode as well, as far as like, okay, what, so I use Firefox, all right? So what do I, what, what add-ons do I use for Firefox? Um, that is a whole other episode that would take an entire episode to discuss, um, you know, how that works. And I know people would be very interested in that and we'll, we'll get to it. We will do that. So, okay. So we're windows 10, that 64 bit, we've got that down. Okay. Um, and I guess I should say quickly, because it's Windows 10 64-bit Pro, uh, what am I using as any kind of a hard disk encryption? Um, Veracrypt is is great. That's my top recommended. That's V-E-R-A crypt. Okay. Uh, but I just, because it's just my Windows 10 machine, I, I really, I just use BitLocker. I don't expect my Windows machine to be like NSA proof. I just don't. Okay. Um, so, you know, I just use BitLocker because that should stop you know, the average run of the mill, you know, hacker slash cracker. Um, so, you know, that that's important to bring up and understand that BitLocker really only works if you have uh, the pro versions of 
whatever version of Windows you happen to be using. Again, I'll be talking about stuff. Some of this is only on Windows 10. So if you're using anything other than Windows 10, some of this you can't uh, get access to. So, okay, so we talked about that. Um, and understand that, yes, so I, I do have a Microsoft account that is involved in what I do on win, on my Windows 10 computer. Because of that, and I, because I believe in one of the best forms of security is account minimalism, um, I do use a lot of what Microsoft already has available uh, on the, you know, that, that comes you know, default stock on a Windows 10 machine. Um, so not just not just account minimalism, where I have as few accounts as possible, but also software minimalism, where I install as little software as possible. So for those reasons, uh, among a couple others, I use OneDrive. Now, OneDrive is not the optimal cloud storage service. In fact, OneDrive gate, I am still very burned by that. Um, it's really annoying that I only have, and I mean this, that I only have one terabyte of storage that I get access to. But I have an Office 365 account, and that gets used for various business. And so what the hell? I use OneDrive. It's available. It's there. Um, it doesn't charge me like Amazon's, uh, you know, their cloud drive does now where it's only one terabyte also. And it's like 60 bucks a, a year. Um, you know, Google Drive. Fuck Google. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just not using it. Dropbox. Condoleezza Rice. Fuck you. No, well, <laughs> I get it. Some people have to use Dropbox, right? Uh, fortunately, I've yet to run into a client where like that that's, that's been a necessity. So OneDrive works for me, okay? Uh, it, and I use it, you know, I don't use it for everything. Uh, most of I mean, understand also, and this is a separate conversation, which I've talked about in a previous Patreon episode, which is about setting up a Synology NAS, Network Area Storage. I do a lot of stuff on my NAS. I will not be talking about what I do, what, you know, what I use with my NAS, because that's a completely different conversation, which I already covered in a previous episode. Um, so, so a lot of things I will actually use, you know, my NAS for, um, and especially when it comes to like, like doing work with say a team or something. Okay. Because, you know, especially like a Synology NAS, you have so many, like there's so much great software, office software, music software, all this other shit. Uh, that's really, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a computer away from a computer and you don't have to rely on Google, you know, on, on cloud storage services or on cloud services and all stuff. It's it's so great because it's your own little personal cloud. Right. And you could use things like sandstorm.io and others. I, I know. So. Anyway, um, yeah, so I use OneDrive as far. So understand that that, you know, coming along with that, obviously with OneDrive, that explains or that 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 hints at a lot of the other software that I use. Yeah, I, I do a lot of work within Microsoft's Office ecosystem. Okay, another reason that I use uh, OneDrive. Um, also, you'll see later on that there's other things I use within Microsoft's ecosystem that are completely cross-platform that taking using OneDrive gives you some interesting advantages, which we'll be covering those as we go over this. Okay, so OneDrive is my cloud storage du jour. Um, now, for what do I do for my writing um, and how I, you know, like writing short fiction, uh, doing my show notes and putting a bunch of stuff together. There's with show notes, there's a couple of different things uh, that that I go through. But so as far as writing and, uh, you know, and, and making up uh, you know documents and all this different stuff, um, I do use Microsoft Word. Now, Microsoft Word you know, there, there's a lot that there's a big conversation that could be had around that. Right. <laughs> okay. Especially around Microsoft's 
uh, policy, shall we say, or philosophy of embrace and uh, embrace and extend. Um, And Microsoft Word, you know, like most people don't realize that Microsoft Word and there's been quite a few tech journalists and tech commentators that have made this point. Microsoft Word itself has really held up almost the entire computer industry because it's become such a standard and because it was like buying out all of the little companies that that were coming up with interesting ideas and sometimes wouldn't introduce those into word itself um, that perhaps a lot of the creative processes that we could do with computers was really, really held up by Microsoft word. And I mean, some people argue that like the computing industry is actually 25 years behind where it could be because of, you know, Microsoft word. So, I understand the potential evils around Microsoft Word. That said, um, it is a standard. There are, you know, in sharing doc files and docx files, okay, uh, is a standard amongst clients and businesses. And honestly, as much as LibreOffice or OpenOffice can handle docx files, uh, they do not often, they don't always translate very well. They don't always format properly when they are shared. This is a real problem. Okay, it's a very real problem. Thus, I use Microsoft Word to get the most amount of work done. See? Okay, so, you know, and, and Word, honestly, if you get rid of like the top bar and everything, like it is, it's a, it can be a very, it's because it's bloated. No doubt about it, it's bloated. Microsoft Office in general is fucking bloated as hell. Okay, and I don't know anybody, even people that love Microsoft Office, they don't even want to touch uh, Outlook, that being the desktop app of Outlook, not Outlook.com, um, because, I mean, it's just it's a goddamn mess, you know, but if you can hide a lot of the features very easily, there's just a little, you know, that little pin tab that you can you can click and then suddenly all that shit disappears and it becomes a very basic editor, you know, text editor in, in a way. But it has all of that compatibility with if you need to deal with the enterprise class, shall we say, Um so, yeah, I use Microsoft Word um, a lot. I, you know, I make up uh, the show notes for shows within Microsoft Word. Um, you know, I do a lot of my writing in Microsoft Word. Now, with the Sovereign Tech newsletter, I actually put that together within MailChimp itself. Um, so I don't Word can do like, like uh, newsletter templates and things like this. I don't use it for that. Um, but I do use it, you know, when I make invoices, I use Microsoft Word because it makes that all very easy. Um, so I use I use Microsoft Word a lot. That's that's open often. And the nice thing is, is now with Office Online and since you're storing things in your OneDrive documents, OK, uh, you can uh, like I can go to a Linux machine and I can just go to my OneDrive in the browser and I can open up, uh, you know, Word Online and. And I can, you know, edit and do whatever I need to right there. And Word Online was rough at first. When they first introduced it, it was pretty ugly, but it's gotten a lot better. It's not it's not feature rich and on parity with the desktop app, um, but I don't ever really expect it to be or, you know, that, that wouldn't make sense because they offer it for free. Um, but it, it does the job. Like, like it, it definitely has enough to where if I need to do it from from another computer that's not a Windows machine, I can do it. Uh, so, yeah, so Microsoft Word, big part of my day, big, big part of my day. Um, next big part of my day mentioned doing show notes. Obviously, what do I use to record podcasts with? Well, I use Audacity. Um, I've been tempted to look at some other software, but this is one of those cases where because Audacity just works instantly on fucking everything, you know, except for mobile, <laughs> because it's just there. I'm Yeah, I use it, you know, like and and, and it it. It's another one where I, it's software that I just know so well. And that's the thing, like Microsoft Word, 
I know it so well. Like I've been, just been using it forever and you know, I'm such an expert with it that yeah, there's a bit of comfort that comes along with using it. I'm not opposed to people using LibreOffice and other things. Of course not. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that does the, that does the job there. Um, now for, for my podcast recording, like I said, I use audacity. Um, I've been v- very pleased with, was it version 2.2.1? Yeah, I think it's version 2.1 where they've added in a lot of nice little features. Uh, I love Audacity. You know, I use it. Um, I There's some arguments against it because it's a destructive player uh, or, or recorder and or editor, I guess I should say. But uh, yeah, it, it just it does everything that I want, you know, and, and again, I can use it anywhere. And it's like, you know, that one kind of design, you know, that UX that you can just jump right in on whatever machine you happen to be using, um, Windows or Linux or BSD or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I use Audacity for that. Now, something, an an extra app that I want to mention that I use that I forgot to mention with the uh, with the show notes is that um, I do. There is the Trello app that came out specifically for Windows 10 where it's a full on app. but You don't have to go to the website. Um, I do use the Trello app like Stephanie for the sex and science hour notes. Stephanie has full creative and recording control and everything of sex and science hour. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of just show up, you know, and, and, and I talk, um, I have some saying what can get talked about, you know, but, but that, that's really, you know, her show, her, her thing. And she does so great with it. Uh, so, but she uses, we use Trello for that to organize show notes and shows and everything, because I, I end up, you know, making up the, or, you know, I put together the show notes, I format them and everything and do all the uploading of the show later on. Um, so, you know, just understand how I work within that. But again, that's not that's not like my show. That's not where I have, you know, total creative control. You know, that's that's Stephanie's thing, which, which is which is fine. Um, so, yeah. So Trello, the Trello app is an, is another one. That's really interesting. That's a very unique Trello is very, very unique. Uh, you know, it's granted even with the Trello app, you're still kind of doing everything online. It's not like you, you have the ability to store local boards, which Trello uses boards. Um, you know, it's supposed to be like pin boards or whatever. Um, it uses boards. Those are all cloud stored. It's not something it, even when you use the Trello app, it's not something that's localized where it's on your hard disk. Uh, but yeah, that that's pretty handy to do that. And really I'm, I've gotten to the point and this is just kind of an abstract notion, but I've gotten to the point where I don't really like want the, the less I can do inside of a web browser, the better I try to put a web browser in its place. Frankly, you know, Microsoft's UWP, Universal Windows Apps and whatever, that they um, that they've been designing or that they've been rolling out for a while really allows for that. You know, like you can install the Instagram app uh, on a Windows 10 computer on any Windows 10 computer. Now, the computer has to have a touchscreen for for you to be able to upload photos to Instagram with the official Instagram app. But bottom line being is that, you know, it's a little something, even if it's still a cloud service of some kind where I don't have to be in the in the browser because. Yeah, as much as we can separate from that, great. Uh, so anyway, so the Trello app, that's something that uh, that I also take uh, advantage of. So and like I said, podcast recording, I use Audacity straight up. Um, haven't messed I, like I've looked I'm looking into Cubase and some others, but. Uh, but really, yeah, Audacity is where it's at. There's, an, I mean, it's totally free. There, there, there's no reason not to use it. Um, 
photo photo work and photo editing okay uh so what i use for this there's three different ones that i that i use even though 90 99% of what i want to do unless i really have to create something unique it's a different story but night as in like from the ground up that i have to do some kind of artwork which i am i am no artist not as far as drawing you know or any of that goes most of what i do i can do in autodesk's now defunct but you can still download it, even even though they're, well, okay. So Autodesk got, or Pixlr, Autodesk I don't think got bought out, but Pixlr, P-I-X-L-R, that got bought out by another company. And they shut down, when they bought it out, they shut down uh, the desktop app. They didn't shut down the mobile app, but they shut down the desktop app that, uh, that that Pixlr that Autodesk had created of Pixlr. Now there's still the online version of this, but it's not the same. The, the Autodesk was making a really really slick um, desktop app that was all localized. It was a full-on desktop app. It was not accessing their cloud servers unless you want to download some graphics from them or something. Um, this is no longer you. You can't get it anymore. Okay, you can find the EXE like on maybe on Softpedia or something. Good luck. F- I I forget it. I saved it. And I will continue to save it because it's a local because it's local software. I can just install it. And, you know, it doesn't matter if the company that bought Pixlr doesn't want it. I mean, this is the beauty of having, you know, something that doesn't rely on cloud services. Um, And I use it for just about everything because it has really cool double exposure features, resizing. It's just very simple to work with Um, the full on desktop app of Pixlr. So if you can find it. I think it's great. I use it a lot. Um, if I also, if I need to, if I need to go like really, really granular or deeper, because that sort of is a basic app, but it handles most. I mean, it's what I make most of the uh, 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 show artwork uh, with. It's, it, I mean, a lot of the things that I do, I do with that. Um, if I have to go super granular, I, I, I'm very familiar with GIMP, which is what I use on any other computer besides a Windows computer. Um, and also, but if I'm on a Windows computer, another one that I run to is paint.net, which is just a classic. Like, I mean, I've been using paint.net for so long and they just came out with the UWP app version of that, uh, which I use that when I can. So when I'm on, let me explain this. When I'm on a Windows 10 computer, because UWP, because those apps are sandboxed and thus more secure, um, I, you know, they're separate from the rest of the system. I will use those, uh, you know, where I can. Like, even if there's a non-UWP app version of it, I will use the UWP app version, except for one piece of software, but I'll say, I'll mention which one that is uh, when we get to it, okay? But otherwise, I will use the UWP app, and so, like, with paint.net, now I use the UWP app, and it it costs a little money. Um, That's another thing. Everything on here that costs any kind of money, I've paid for, either a lifetime license or something like that. Um, the, The art of cracking software has kind of become a pain in the ass depending upon the software and i mean it's always been kind of risky business because you never knew if that exe file that you were going to switch you know swap out with the the original one was going to be some kind of you know trojan or you know some kind of malware or something like that um yeah i i got to the point where i'm like all right you know it's not this isn't the 90s anymore where they charge 300 dollars for a piece of software unless it's something from photoshop or you know from adobe uh yeah, I'll, I'll pay the 20, 30 bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks, you know, what, what, whatever, you know, the, that little bit, I'll, I'll pay for it. So just so you're aware of that, if you look up something and say, oh, you got to pay for it. Yeah, you got to pay for it. You know, or I mean, you don't have to, you could still go to Pirate Bay. Uh, but anyway, that's your call. 
So, okay, uh, next. Um, mentioned, yeah, photo editing. So music, what do I do for music playing? Now, for my full-on music collection, which I have very deeply cataloged, um, I was using Google Play Music for a, for a long, long time. Um, and then eventually, because, you know, there was a time where I was a Google fanboy. And obviously, over those years, I spent a lot of time uploading tens of thousands of songs to Google Play Music totally for free. Um, you know, after I finally said, OK, no, I'm getting away from Google. And after and these are things I've talked about on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes where Google was with their cloud service was replacing uh, like the, they fucked up like uh, so my double greatest hits or double disc greatest hits from Poison. Um, I think it was nothing but a good time somehow, somehow. And I, I'm not going to talk about believe me. I there's no reason this should have happened. It was a total fuck up on their part. There is no excuse. Um, they replaced nothing but a good time with up all night by slaughter. You know, nothing but a good time by poison was replaced by up all night by slaughter. And even when I re download the album, it it totally put slaughter in place of that. Like it was the craziest shit in the world. Uh, so yeah, I, I am completely done with Google play music. So what I use now, um, not, not for, if it's just like a local file, like a little MP3 that I want to play or something, I use something different for that. But for my serious music collection and music listening, uh, I, I use, uh, I use groove music from, uh, from Microsoft. Now understand I'm a guy who wants to own his music. I don't have to have the CD, okay, but I want to have the file. I want to have control. I don't want to pay for a subscription service, okay? I want the files. I want to catalog them. I want to do all that shit. And so I use uh, Groove Music for that for a few reasons. One is, is that it's already installed on Windows 10. The other, it's available on mobile platforms, uh, the other, you know, like you can install the Groove app. Okay. The other thing is, is that you can, it has a web player, so I can even play it from a Linux machine through a web browser. But I can play it through the Linux through a Linux machine, even though they don't have a Linux app. Um, so it's completely cross-platform, and I have access to my music anywhere, anytime. And that music can all be is all stored in my OneDrive folder. In OneDrive, this is a perk of OneDrive. They give you a specific music folder where you can upload music files, and then groove can play them okay uh, i have other copies of my music collection not just that one but bottom line being that's my go-to that's what i use to play to play my personal collection um, now groove recently got rid of their uh you know their music pass which allowed you to just like stream like spotify uh you know stream whatever and just pay a subscription fee that's where i stream my own collection um that's gone but that it doesn't matter i i don't want that i in fact, I like back when I was using Google Play Music more, they had the Google Play Music All Access, which allows you to get access to, I don't know, 30 some odd million songs or something. Um, what was annoying is that it would want to play the versions that were from from the streaming service from, you know, All Access. And say if I already had the CD, it wouldn't it wouldn't immediately suggest to me my version of the song, which may be different. Um, and so I, I actually, I don't like that. I, I want my collection. If I, if there's music I want to listen to, I fucking own it. You understand? I'll buy it, whatever it takes. I own it. So I don't, I don't, I don't need the streaming services. I'm just not interested in it. I, I, I mean, I see, like, I think Pandora, there's advantages to that. Like I get some of the advantages to these things, but for me, I, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm old school, uh, in that way. 
So let me uh, switch to, I didn't didn't necessarily have this in order. Let me switch down to some music management. What do I do to manage that massive collection? And it is a massive collection. It's in the hundreds of thousands of songs. I mean, I I have a lot. Um, And what what do I use to manage it? Uh, So as far as like ID3 tags and all that stuff, now a lot of this you can do right within Windows 10. Like you go to, you know, right click on a file and hit properties or something or select a bunch of files, hit properties, and you can edit the ID3 tag. right through the properties, uh, you know, window that comes up on, on windows. Okay. But I think you could even do it down in the, in the file explorer as well, or at least you used to be able to do that. Uh, but I, I have traditional software that I've been using for over a decade. Um, that that's really, really handy, uh, that I use for all of my ID three tagging and file renaming and everything like that. And it's called tag and rename. That's the name of the software tag and rename. Now I'll give you a hint. Okay, if you decide to get a cracked version of this and not pay for it, and even if you pay for it, you can when you do the install, you can choose to install a portable version, meaning that you can just transfer the folder and files to any computer that you want, or you could leave it on and run it off of USB drive even if you wanted to. Okay. Um, which I used to be really big on portable apps. Things are changing to where that's not as practical as it once was. Um, but I still love portable apps. That could be portableapps.com is another conversation. If you want to ask me, maybe I could talk about it in the Q&A. Okay. Um, but portable, I mean, in a world where people do have multiple computers now that they own themselves personally, portable apps has kind of become redundant, even though I still love the idea and the overall concept. Uh, so, but you can do a portable installation of tag and rename that way you never have to crack it again, or you never have to worry about the software license or anything like that ever again. And you can just share it across, you know, whatever computer you want to put it on and you just put the folder on and, you know, create a shortcut link on your, however you want to, you know, make it easily accessible and away you go. So tag and rename is what I do for all of that. Um, as far as conversion, because yeah, sometimes I download for, or, you know, whatever, however I end up getting it. Um, or if I'm ripping an actual CD, which I do still buy CDs, there's a lot like, you know, a lot of people don't, I, I've said this before, but like if music soundtracks or, or if uh, film soundtracks as in the score, like the instrumental and all that, if that was actually a genre, more of a genre of music, like kind of like how metal or rap or hip hop or R&B or jazz or something like that was, uh, I would film scores would be my genre of choice. Like I wouldn't even, you know, that'd be my number one genre, not even a metalhead. I would be a film score junkie. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of the companies like Entrada, La La Land Records and um, like Varese Sarabande and all them they will release soundtracks. Not They don't always make them CD exclusives, but a lot of times they make them CD exclusives and you can't buy them anywhere, any way or anywhere else. Uh, so I do still buy a lot of CDs and I might resell them, but I do still buy them, <laughs> you know, once they're ripped. But so what I use for either converting a CD or converting, say, a FLAC file to MP3, like 192K MP3, which I think is kind of the perfect balance um, of sound and size. Uh, I use um, easy, easy, the literal letters E and Z, easy CD audio converter. That's that's what I use for that. Um, and it, that allows for some tagging and all that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece of software. There's like two different, there's two different names for it. 
and they're two different companies, but it's like the same exact software. Um, and I, and I've, I've interchanged over the years and didn't even really realize it, but that's the one I use now. And I think it's up to like version 17 or something like that. Um, easy CD audio converter. That's what I use. I mean, and you can, with this software, like whatever file fucking, you know, music file format you've got, you can throw at it and you can convert it into goddamn anything. I mean, it, it's really, really nice, very easy to use software for all of that. And it's really a, a kind of software that uh, Linux doesn't really have a comparable piece of software for this. And that has to do with various, you know, obviously proprietary libraries and everything. But yeah, this is this is the gold standard of converting audio files. And I like to have standardized like even if I down if somehow like I download an AAC like or an album that's mainly an AAC or M4A or something like that, um, I'll still convert it to a 192 MP3 just because I love that kind of you know that really standardized um, you know look for it. So um, or not look but standardized like file format that, that's that's really important to me. Uh, the other thing I will do this is the other piece of music management software that I use is WX MP3 Gain. Now, what this is, is that some, and, and I wish Easy CD Audio Converter would do this automatically, but some albums, like, and the ones that come to mind very quickly uh, would be like Danger Dangers, um, uh, Screw It, from, was it, 92? One of the best albums of all time, and I'm dead serious about that. Uh, that that album, it, like, the sound, the, the, just the sound, the volume is really low, okay? So when I converted that to mp3s like it sounds a lot lower than all of my other soundtracks or you know or all of my other uh, albums i should say and because it's not a soundtrack and so you know I, I wanted to raise the gain on it now what used to be cool was that especially when music wasn't something i mean your ipod would do it but like when when mobile phones weren't when smartphones weren't the big deal and you played most of your music off of a smartphone like iTunes was really cool where iTunes had an actual uh, like you could control per per album per song. You could cha- you could granularly change the volume for each album and each song. Um, obviously, iTunes sucks now. And that would because iTunes is how you connected stuff to your iPod, which I had an iPod forever. Um, you know, it would translate directly to your iPod. Your iPod would keep the setting because you synced it with, you know, via um, iTunes. You know, that that used to be the way to solve it. But now now, you, you know, things don't really work that way. OK, <laughs> so and, and like I said, now iTunes sucks and iPods are practically gone um, as much as I love them and would still use one, frankly, if well, anyway, that's another conversation. So you want to. Uh, yeah. So WX MP3 gain is really great for solving that problem. Um, it does a great job of leveling everything. I mean, it's just very nice uh, for music. Now, I mean, for podcasts, if I need to be leveling sound, I can do all of that right within Audacity. But, you know, for, for my music collection, I use WXMP3 gain uh, for that. So now, how about other multimedia? Okay, um, I mentioned this. Now, if I just have like some stray MP3 that I want to listen to, I do not let it go into Groove Music at all, and I don't want Groove Music to catalog it. Um, I use a VLC player. I've been recommending VLC player for as long as sovereign tech has been around and I've been using it for twice that amount of time. Um, I remember when VLC player wasn't even version 1.0, you know, like I I've been using it for fucking ever. Uh, and it is the gold standard. It is everywhere. It's completely cross platform. It'll play just about anything. Save one. 
is that it's complex. And I talked about this on recent Sovereign Tech Prime episodes. Um, it is a complex situation to give VLC player to play Blu-rays. That that is that is a difficult situation, okay. And, and so, but I'll I'll use VLC Media Player to play everything else because it is sandboxed. I do not use the UWP app of VLC. This is that one piece of software where I said, yeah, it has UWP app, but I don't use it. Um, the UWP app is missing a ton of features, just a ton of features, okay. So I, you know, like, like speed control and everything like that's really cool. Most people don't even realize they can do this. They can watch a movie in two X, you know, at two times the speed um, with VLC player. Uh, It's not, you know, that, that time shifter isn't like right in the, uh, you know, in the, not the taskbar, but in the, the control center of, of VLC. Uh, But you can find it. It's a setting it's there and you can add it to the control bar and it's just, or to the menu and everything. Um, and I, I just I love being able to do that, frankly. You know, that's part of how I get to watch so many shows and um, a lot of movies and everything in, in so little time, because, you know, if I have to, I'll watch them at, at a significantly greater speed. Uh, so, yeah, VLC player for just about everything except for Blu-rays. Now, here's the problem. This is another thing where, yeah, you know, playing Blu-rays on Linux or BSD or anything like that doesn't really work. I mean, you can kind of get it to do it. There's there's some tricks. I'm aware of them, but there's nothing that's really like out of the box that lets you do it. Uh, so another reason where maybe you need a Windows machine or maybe you just buy a standalone Blu-ray player. Maybe that's your speed. I don't know. You know, and, and nothing wrong with that either. Uh, but so this was actually the uh, 2017 software of the year for Sovereign Tech, and that was the Lewo Blu-ray player. That's L-A-E-W-O. Um this is a completely free Blu-ray player software, which most Blu-ray player software, you can't say that about. And it does a great job of keeping up with all of the latest DRM libraries that the latest Blu-rays come out with because they keep updating this bullshit. Uh, I'm not going to get into the big story again. I already talked about it. You can even I, I clipped it out because people loved it so much. I put it on my YouTube channel. Uh you know, that's what I use for Blu-rays most of the time. Um, I will use power DVD. I, I would use power DVD if, if it was, you know, if it could keep up with uh, a lot of the different DRM libraries better, but yeah, I use Lewu uh, Blu-ray player for Blu-rays on, uh, on windows. Okay. So moving on. Um, how about like PDFs comics, you know, cause I, I read a ton of comics on my computer. Um, I don't really buy comics anymore in that way towards a physical copy, um, and books. Uh, so of course I have an e-reader for books that I use most of the time, but if I need to read books or if I need to read a PDF file, or if I need to read comics on a computer on windows, I use one piece of software and that is Sumatra PDF, which I've recommended for a very long time. And it handles all three of those with absolute aplomb. It just does a beautiful job. It's a, it's a very nice, simple piece of software, feature rich, you know, if you need to be like annotating PDFs and doing all this other bullshit with PDFs and, you know, you need to be doing PDF creation, you know what software you use for that sort of stuff. OK, but I don't use Acrobat Reader. I don't trust it. Uh, I don't trust much of anything from Adobe. They There's a company with a lot of problems. Um, but Sumatra PDF is what I use for all of that. And I've been using it for a very, very, very long time. Um, and so just, just one of, it's one of the first pieces of software I'll ever install on a new windows build. It's instantaneous. 
Um, as far as if I need to, just like I like to standardize my MP3s, if I need to standardize my book collection, uh, not that I mind having a combination of EPUBs or PDFs, um, but or if I want to convert. So I keep most of my books as either EPUBs or PDFs, and those are the only two file formats I pretty much accept. But of course, my e-reader is a Kindle Oasis, the new Kindle Oasis. So they have to be in a .mobi fi- format to be to be able to read on uh, on the e-reader. So to do that, I keep everything as an EPUB, but to do that, I use a conversion tool to turn it into a Mobi so I can read it um, on, you know, read it on my, on my e-reader. I use Calibre or maybe it's Caliber, but I think it's Calibre, C-A-L-I-B-R-E. And there are 64 bit versions of this, by the way, make sure you get that. Uh, But anyway, that, that's what I use for that. And it's, it's really, really nice, you know, just, just very simple, nice software. It's been around for a while. It's amazing how much it updates. Um, but that's what I use for my book, uh, conversion. So, all right. How about videos? What do I do for video creation? Because I do some video creation here and there. Uh, I've been for so long, I have used Microsoft movie maker, which was a part of like windows essentials, which they canceled years ago. Um, and they turned off the server that lets you download software, the, the software that you need for it. So if you didn't get Windows Movie Maker installed on your computer in time, you might not be able to ever get Windows Movie Maker again. And that's a real pity because Windows Movie Maker, you know, it had transitions. It had a bunch of other stuff. What was really nice about it, it was probably the easiest way on Windows to make a YouTube video. OK, um, especially if, say, it's one where you just want pictures and some sound and upload it to to YouTube. Like when I used to upload, I don't do this really anymore. But when I used to upload the entire episodes of Sovereign Tech onto YouTube, um, that's what I would use. I would use Windows Movie Maker. And all I would do is take a you know picture of the logo from Sovereign Tech, you know, put that in. And then I would just drag in the MP3 file and, you know, hit export as whatever format you wanted, you know, if you wanted in 720p, I didn't need it in 720p. Um, and you know, there's a lot of nice little features. If you have windows movie maker, it's great. If you can get your hands on it somewhere or somehow do it because it's just such a simple and it has, you know, I mean, it has some features, transitions, things like that, uh, that make it uh, fairly nice and, and easy to use. Um, there's another piece of software. This is a UWP app that I haven't jumped on yet. Uh, but, or I haven't tested yet, but I have, um, I have heard about it, that it might be a good replacement for Microsoft's, uh, or windows movie maker or Microsoft's movie maker, which is movie maker free. That's the name of it. Movie maker free. And it's again, it's a UWP app. So you have to go to the Microsoft store to get it. That might be an interesting replacement for Microsoft's movie maker. Um, and the movie maker software that came as part of the photo app that comes with windows 10 does not really replace everything that that windows movie maker could do back in the day so yeah that that's not really a solution um now when i'm making full motion video for my video games and or doing something really serious i use powerlink cyber director uh, that is my my video editor uh, of choice when it comes to getting like really serious and i have to add in a ton of effects and do all this other wacky shit um i do use cyber director it's one of the areas same with music like or just like you know, in podcast creation and things like this, like there's a real advantage with Apple's software and hardware, like what comes with like, like iMovie and GarageBand and all that, like those play all really nicely. They are very feature rich. Um, I get the, you know, I'm, I'm slightly jealous of Apple users for having access to that sort of stuff. I think that that's pretty impressive. Um, 
Okay, so uh, let's move on from that now. How about say I make a video and say I want to put it onto a, a DVD, like an M-Disc DVD, right? Which will last me a thousand years, or I want to make a Blu-ray or something like this. Um, or maybe uh, I want to rip a Blu-ray or rip a, a DVD or maybe even like a PlayStation 2 game or something um, onto my computer to where I could play it or, you know, do whatever, store it locally you know, or have a backup or something, whatever I do. So my disc imaging software that I use, um, there are, there's a, there's a couple different ones. Uh, my kind of my standard that I've used for again, over 10 years now is called power ISO power ISO. They're up to version 7.0. Um, you, you do have to, to get all of the features within it. You do have to pay for it. And I think it's like 30 bucks or something. Um, I've had a license for it forever, so <laughs> I forget. But uh, but Power ISO, you can still use it for a couple of very basic features. And the two basic features that you can actually use it for is if you just want to make a disk image, it does a great job of that, and you don't have to have the full registered version to be able to do that. Um, also, it, it has a great uh, virtual drive where it can pretend that you, you know you could load up an ISO image of some kind into a virtual drive on your computer. Um, Power ISO has excellent, has just excellent virtual drives uh, uh, capabilities. And even though virtual drives have really like, they're kind of, they're almost pointless now. Like this used to be a, remember Damon tools? Like this used to be a very popular thing to do, especially with gaming where that way you didn't have to have the CD in your laptop. You could just have a disc image of it and you could play it off of a virtual drive. That's where Power ISO originally was was kind of a thing. But now a lot of software, like a lot of emulators, say for like PlayStation emulators or um, or even like VLC, you know, if you wanted to play a DVD, a, you know, disc image of a DVD, a lot of those now they can just play the ISO raw. Like they don't, you don't need to put it in a virtual drive to be able to play it to get access to it. Um, so virtual drives have kind of fallen out of out of vogue. Uh, as it were, so you know maybe not the most important feature, but I do use uh, Power ISO. Um, some some very specific disk imaging. I have to use Image Burn, which is IMG Burn, and th that that depends. But if I can do everything in Power ISO, I do it in Power ISO. Now, if I need to make an M disk, here's the one thing: if I'm making an M disk disk, okay, which is a which is a different style look it up. I'm not going to cover it all right here. Okay. Uh, which is a different style of disc than a normal DVD or Blu-ray, even though it is, they're still DVDs and Blu-rays. Um, I have to use a very specific piece of burning software for that. It is. And this software image burn is free. This piece of software is also free. Like I said, power ISO can be free depending on what you want to use it for, but you might have to pay for some of the features. Um, I use a shampoo burning studio 2015 for, uh, for burning M discs. Now, when you install a shampoo, like this is nice. I mean, actually a lot of what it has or what it can do, um, is what you would want power ISO to do. So maybe you don't need power ISO at all. And I'm just used to installing it. And so I still do, you know, maybe I don't even need it. Um, a shampoo burning studio is or 2015. You can get it for free. 
they ask you for your email address and then they send you a license key, but it, but it is totally for free and just use a bullshit email address or something because they'll start sending you newsletters and it's really annoying. So use a BS email address, but then you can get the license key and then you can use that license key as much as you want on many computers as you want, uh, you know, and all of that. But a shampoo burning studio 2015, that's what I use to make my M discs. Um, and in fact, the M disc foundation or whatever the company that makes M discs, it's what they recommend that you use. Uh, and like I said, totally, uh, totally free. Um, okay. Now perhaps a little bit of computer maintenance. Um, defraggers are pointless now, now that we have solid state drives. So don't even bother with that. Uh, if you really wanted to use some kind of defragger, there is a smart defrag pro, uh, which I have used and that does a pretty beautiful job of, of taking care of all that. And they even, they try to make it, make you think that they, they're taking care of your solid state drive and stuff like that. But I, I think it, frankly, it's bullshit. Um, but smart defrag, I've used that for a while. That's a really nice. You know, it's one of those things where I have a lifetime license to it. And, um, and that's, that's really nice, uh, you know, to have that, but you generally don't need it. And if you wanted a, and that's a pay for uh, piece of software, if you wanted something simpler um, and that didn't cost anything, there is defragler from the company Pureform. But now for computer maintenance, Pureform has, even though I think Pureform got bought out. Yes, they got bought out recently. Uh, they have a piece of software that pretty much any windows user installs. Uh, and even though there were security concerns that we talked about on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes over the summer, um, and that's CCleaner. Now, if you had the 64-bit version of CCleaner, you didn't have anything to worry about. There was no, this is why I was saying, this is part of the reason I was saying that if you can, if you can find a 64-bit version of what you're installing, do so, because it can solve a lot of malware and a lot of exploits and all these other issues. Okay. Um, I do have CCleaner still installed. Uh, there are other options, like what is it, BleachBit or whatever, or is it BleachBit? Yeah, uh, there's other options for that that are all about cleaning up your cache and different things in the computer. But um, you know, I I still use I still use CCleaner here and there, um, and it's just such such a simple piece of software to remember you know to install. And like I said, 64-bit versions were never really an issue. Um, the for uninstalling software, not just cleaning up cache, but for uninstalling software, there's a very nice piece of software that I always install right away. Um, on a computer, which is Revo Uninstaller, R-E-V-O Uninstaller. And Revo Uninstaller does a really great job of getting rid of everything, even like registry entries and all this other stuff. Um, everything, when you uninstall a piece of software on your Windows computer, Revo really gets rid of it. Um, it's very, very nice piece of software. There's a free version, and then there's a paid-for version. I've never really seen the advantage to the paid-for version. So, you know, the free version will do you fine, but you could pay for it as well. I do have a paid-for version of it, but, um, again, I don't really see the advantage, even though, like, one's kind of, like, multiple version numbers behind. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it necessarily uh, matters. So there's those. Okay, next thing I got on the list, uh, camera. What what do I have as far as apps that control my camera? Um I just use Windows 10 has a really nice, very simple camera app built into it, which these this was not commonplace. Chromebooks are really what made this commonplace, where there's just a very simple camera that can access the webcam on your computer or whatever cameras you happen to have connected or something. Um, I just use the stock camera app for uh, for that. And like if you ever see me share pictures of me in the BDSM studio, uh, I'm just using the Windows 10 camera app right there. So that, that's, that's really all you need as far as that goes. There's, I mean, I have others, like I have, what is it? UCAM and all that stuff from Cyberlink. I've got a ton of pieces of software that I could use, but I never find the need to, to really use those. So the, uh, the camera app, uh, it does the job. 
Uh, let's see. Virtual assistants. So I actually don't like to use virtual assistants. Um, I messed with Cortana for a while. And there, you know, there were some things that were really cool about Cortana, including the fact that I was using Groove Music as my music player, because I could say to Cortana, hey, Cortana, play the oh shit. <laughs> I could, you know, I could activate her and say, you know, play this, you know, Curse of Darkness by Dragon Force. And, you know, you could be across the room and Cortana would do a pretty good job. And, and in pretty short order, she'd bring up Groove and she'd play Curse of Darkness by Dragon Force. Great. You know, <laughs> and, and and but I, I never found myself really using it outside of that, you know, especially with Windows 10. So like the calendar f- function within Windows 10 itself, no app. I mean, there's there's a Windows there's a built in calendar app. So I guess I shouldn't say no app. But the calendar, you know, you can you can just add in notifications into your calendar just by clicking on the time on the taskbar in Windows 10. There's who? Why the hell would you talk to your to your computer to, to set that up? I mean, it's so simple uh, to, to, you know, to just implement that. You can just click on a day and what do you want to add in? And you add it in. Um, so, you know, I, I guess that answers what my calendar app generally is and, you know, how I go about using a calendar. Um which is tied into my, you know, which is tied into my Microsoft account, which is thus tied into a lot of what I do with email. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really use virtual assistants and I, I just didn't see, I mean, Cortana is always there. You can't exactly turn it off anymore. Um, but it, I just don't find myself really using it. You know, the music feature was like the only cool thing I thought that, that, that it could really do. Um, it can open apps and you can start playing them. Like if you used audible, like that's, that's pretty cool when, when it can do that. Uh, but that's, you know, that's about all it can, all it can really do that I found to be like fun or, uh, or useful. Speaking of that podcasts, how do you listen to podcasts on your computer? Because that is one of the primary ways that I listen to it. Um, you know, I pop on a pair of Bluetooth headphones and it's connected to my laptop and away I go. I try not to have my smartphone with me at all. Um, there's, of course, there's the Sirius XM UWP app, which I use that. Um, there is the Audible UWP app, which I use the fuck out of that big time. Um, we, you know, both of those are official apps. As far as for podcasts themselves, Windows 10 actually has one of the best podcast apps, bar none. Like next to Pocket Casts, it's just, it's top notch. And it's called Grover Pro. Um, and you do have to pay, I think, for the Pro version, but I use that. It also backs up my, like my XML file and everything to OneDrive automatically, uh, which is another advantage to having OneDrive, you know, when you're using a Windows machine. Um, so yeah, Grover Pro, it's a UWP app, so you can't get it. You have to be using Windows 10 to get access to it. Uh, but that is a really, really, really nice app. Now understand, when using all these UWP apps, because they're UWP, they automatically work with Windows Mixed Reality. So there's another, there's more arguments for why you want to use UWP apps um, if you can. Uh, and that's also the reason why I actually have, I have the, like I mentioned with VLC as far as media playing, I have the VLC media player and you know that that's that's its own app but then i also do have the uwp app installed in case i want to use it in windows mixed reality um okay so and let's see some other the the we're getting down to we're getting towards the end of this um as far as like little apps that i use some extra apps um i do use a real alarm for an alarm feature uh, on, on windows. Like if, if I'm at a hotel and I have my laptop, um, I do not trust my smartphone with an alarm. Um, and if for some reason I forgot my watch, which I usually do not forget my watch. And most of the time my alarm is, comes from my watch. Uh, 
not a smartwatch either by by no means i mean it's smart but it's not smart like it's apple or android um nor is it fitbit or anything like that fuck that shit but anyway if i need an alarm um there is real alarm and actually cortana has an alarm feature that's not terrible but i use real alarm it's re and then just the word alarm um, i use for that uh for reddit i use a app a uwp a uwp app called read it R-E-A-D-I-T. Realarm is also UWP app, by the way, but I use Readit uh, for that. For IRC, um, I have been very pleased with what's called Foo IRC, F-O-O-I-R-C. That is also a UWP app. I just use that, you know, and it's nice and it works. Uh, for weather, there's Microsoft has a weather app that's that's pretty gorgeous, already built in. That's a UWP app. Um, but I do use Strawberry Weather. That's the name of it, Strawberry Weather, which is also a UWP app and gives me a nice notification on the lock screen and everything. I really like that one. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, I do use Microsoft's Translator app, which is a UWP app. I do use Microsoft Maps as well. I mean, I've spent a lot of time really getting away from my smartphone. And so as much as Windows 10 kind of uniquely is uniquely positioned to where you can get mobile features on a full desktop class machine, you know, and so so I've come to really enjoy using a lot of UWP apps. So I'll use Microsoft Translator, Microsoft Maps, and, you know, all, all of that. Um, another one for note-taking, Sticky Notes, which is a built-in Microsoft uh, UWP app on Windows 10 and Windows 10 alone. Uh, this is really nice. It literally looks like little sticky notes on your screen. And you can make a bunch of them, and you can add in notations and everything. I mean, it's it's very, very nice. Um, I use that a lot for note-taking. You, you can set different colors and everything. It's... Uh, you can even put links in there and even reminders. It's re- it's very simple, really nice. I don't really use OneNote anymore. There was a time where I used OneNote, and it's just it, it's another one of those things. It's just way too fucking bloated. So I said, screw it. Um, let's see what what else do we have here? Uh, torrenting. How about what do I use is if I need if I ever really need to do a torrent? And understand that just because you're torrenting doesn't mean that you're doing downloading something illegal. You could be downloading the latest Linux distribution. Which how ironic and meta is that? Um, for torrenting, I do use I've now I've gotten to the point where I use the uh, the UWP app called Torrex Pro, T-O-R-R-E-X Pro. And that's really nice. Feature rich updates often. It's it's good. Uh, before then, I was using Qubit Torrent. And if I'm on any other platform, um, that's what I use. I use Qubit Torrent uh, pretty much across the board. In fact, I think Qubit Torrent, they even have that for if uh, for Android, if you have uh, Droid installed. Um, on your Android device. Um, I, I just love Qubit Torrent. Uh, but Torx Pro is what I've been using uh, mainly over the past, I guess, maybe year or two. Um, for mail, for mail, uh, the built-in mail app is pretty nice, but Thunderbird is Thunderbird, man. You know, like everybody just, just use Thunderbird. So I use Mozilla Thunderbird uh, for mail uh, and, you know, for multiple accounts and everything. Um, browser wise, I use Firefox, especially since Firefox quantum, um, I did mess with edge for a while and it was kind of nice and it was fast and the battery life on my laptop, you really noticed that like how much it was saving, like it was really impressive, but edge still, it's just not there yet. It's like, it's close, but it's just not there to where it's a full featured browser. Even though Edge can do a whole hell of a lot now where it can read ebooks and it can read PDFs and it can do all this other kind of shit uh, more than just being a web browser. But I use Firefox um, often for other clients. I will have completely separate web browsers for other clients if I have to do work for them, 
or if I have to have like a separate account, like Google account or something involved with them. Um, I use other web browsers. My first other web browser that I go to is Opera. If I'm not using Firefox, I go to Opera. Uh, and so, you know, that that's, that's, yeah, like I say, that's where I go next. Um, I don't think I'll ever install Google Chrome again. Um, I'd use Iron, SWR or SRWare Iron. I would use that before I'd use Google Chrome. Um, I'm just, yeah, no, not not happening. <laughs> and since the Signal app finally came out for, uh, you know, came out as a standalone app, there's no real need to use Chrome anymore. You know, like, like I, I don't see any great advantage. Mozilla has all the, you know, all the add-ons I need, or, you know, Firefox has all the add-ons I need, so I just, you know, I run with that. Um, speaking of messaging apps, how about that? Uh, so, of course, Skype. Skype comes automatically with Windows 10. Um, I do use that. The whole world uses Skype, so that shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, Signal, like I just mentioned, I use the desktop app for that, and I use it to great effect, and that's cross-platform, and I use it on whatever platform I happen to have, and I really, uh, really enjoy it. Um, Line Messenger, I use the UWP app of Line Messenger now, uh, and you know, there's certain clients where I, I need to have that. Uh, Telegram, same deal, where the UWP app is really all you need, um, and I install that, and, and, and away I go. Um, so all of those are, and, and with Skype, I also use, I just use the UWP app. I don't use the full desktop app, which is still available, but eventually it's probably going to go away. Um, so all of those are UWP apps, but I keep those all uh, available on my, on my Windows 10 machine. Now, on my other machines, there's a whole bunch of other messaging platforms um, that I use, but th- these are what I use here. Uh, if I need to use OTR, I will use Pigeon, but I I don't know anybody anymore that really uses OTR, or at least there's nobody in, in my contacts list, shall I say, that uh, that bothers needing OTR. So that, that just doesn't happen. I think now most people that were into OTR have more or less switched to Signal, you know, at this point. Um, VPN software. Yes, of course, I do install a VPN. Um, I use Private Internet Access. They have the best Windows app. Not It's not UWP, but they have the best Windows software for VPNs, I think, bar none. Um, so, yeah, I use private Internet access uh, for that. Um, and that's I I think that pretty much rounds it out. Th- those are that's that's what my workflow looks like. Now, like I said, there's a bunch of different extensions and other things I use within Firefox. Um, this has you know, we didn't get into gaming, either game creation or game playing at all. That's a whole other episode to do. Obviously, that would take another hour. OK, Um but this is this is what makes up my my workflow is using all of these apps to do all of the various things. And I can't think of anything that I mean, if I, all right. So I guess I could say that, like, if I if I have to rip a Blu-ray, like I'll use Red Fox. Um, I know some people want to use DVD fab and stuff like this. Uh, but, yeah, like I, I, I think this I think this about covered it as, as far as what I do with that. Um and also like clone DVD mobile, if you want to make uh, uh, video files and everything, that's really nice. Um, Handbrake is another one that's great for video creation or, or for video editing. Uh, and that's totally free and cross platform, but I don't find myself really using those. They're not necessarily a part of my, uh, a part of my workflow uh, anymore or ever. So, or, you know, my fun flow, not just my workflow. Uh, but that's, that's it. That that's, this is my, default loadout of what I use to do what I do personally and for work. Um, and then, you know, 
there's whole other, again, there's whole other computers and ecosystems that I work within where it's all very different. Uh, and maybe I'll cover those at some point in the future. I'll definitely cover what I run on my phone. Um, maybe we'll do like dark Android three or something like that. <laughs> uh, of course the dark Android book's still out there, darkandroid.info, And we have the 2018 edition coming up, uh, eventually as well. And, um, and I will be doing like a gaming one as well, where we cover emulators and a lot of that other stuff. So those are, those are on their way. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Maybe you found it useful. You can let me know. Best way to let me know is to give me a heart on Patreon or leave a comment on Patreon. That is one of the easiest ways to, to give me a metric to say, yeah, I like what the Golden Stallion is doing. Of course, being a patron alone is telling me you love what I do, and I thank you for that. Thank you to all the patrons that make this kind of content possible and afford me the time to do it. Like I said, I hope you find it useful, and woo, I will see you on the other side.